It's time now for Super Psychologist, Dr. Mara Carpell, and your golden years. Welcome to Dr. Mara Carpell and your golden years this evening and every Sunday evening at 5 p.m. Central Time and at 6 p.m. Eastern right here on blogtalkradio.com, on drmarakarpel.com, and now on Apple Podcasts. And today is Sunday, August the 29th, 2021, and I'm psychologist Dr. Mara Carpell, and we are back live from beautiful and hot Austin, Texas. And I hope that you are all staying safe wherever you are and we're keeping Louisiana in our thoughts as the hurricane bears down on them. And uh, I hope people are safe. Bart Mendoza of Accomplice Entertainment, producer of this program, is here making the show run smoothly as usual. And we have another great program in store for you this evening. In a little while after the break, we'll be joined by Claude Anshin Thomas, Zen Buddhist monk, Vietnam War veteran, author, and founder of the Zalto Foundation, a nonprofit organization that he'll tell us some more about. And he will also discuss his latest book, Bringing Meditation to Life, 108 Teachings on the Path of Zen Practice. And then I'll continue with some tips for reconnecting to our passion after these long eight months. And throughout this, um, not eight months, I wish it was eight months, 18 months. (laughs) That was a slip. It's been 18 months. Okay. And throughout this evening's show, we will have time to take your questions. So if you have any questions or comments for me or for my guests, you can call. The toll-free number is 855-345-4720. That's 855-345-4720. Or you can email your questions to me, and I will read them on the air to my guest. And my email address is drmara, D-R-M-A-R-A, at drmarakarpel.com, D-R-M-A-R-A-K-A-R-P-E-L.com. And later this evening, you can hear this program again by going to my website and the link to the podcast along with any links that we talk about on the program will be on my website. And you can also hear the podcast in as soon as five minutes after the show ends by going directly to blog talk radio, B-L-O-G talk com slash your golden years. And it will also be on Apple podcasts about five minutes after the show ends. And if you want to learn about upcoming events, um, upcoming shows, go to my Facebook page, Dr. Mara Carpell, Your Golden Years. This show is produced by Accomplice Entertainment, Postal Productions, and Psyched Up Productions, and sponsored by AMightyGoodTime.com. Are you wondering what to do after 50? How about having a mighty good time? It's free to search, free to post, and much more. Whether it's in person or virtually, anything can be found to fill your day with others in your age group. So be more active and start filling your days. Go to amightygoodtime.com. That's amightygoodtime.com. 
We're going to take a brief break. It's going to be very brief. Um, We're just going to play a couple of our other sponsors' commercials, and then we're going to be right back with Claude Anshin Thomas to talk about his book, Bringing Meditation to Life. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Super psychologist Dr. Mara Carpell will be back after words from our sponsors. Worry about memory loss? Dr. Ronald DeVere, certified neurologist and director of Alzheimer's disease and memory disorders in Lakeway, has been helping those with dementia and memory loss for over 12 years. Specializing in the diagnosis, treatment, and counseling of those with memory loss and dementia, Dr. DeVere also has a book to reduce your worry and fear by knowing the fact. Memory loss, everything you want to know but forget to ask. Available now on Amazon.com. Dr. Ronald DeVere, Alzheimer's disease and memory disorders center in Lakeway, and his book, Memory Loss, everything you want to know but forget to ask. For more information or to schedule an appointment, call 512-261-7909. Please visit us on the web at www.drmaricarpel.com. And we're back. If you're just joining us, this is Dr. Mara Carpel and your golden years right here on drmaricarpel.com and on blogtalkradio.com. And now joining us on the phone, we have Claude Anshin Thomas, who's a Zen Buddhist monk, Vietnam War veteran, author, and founder of the Zalto Foundation. And he is going to talk to us about his latest book, Bringing Meditation to Life. Welcome, Claude. Um, Thanks, Dr. Carpell. Now, is this all working? It is working. I just want to let you know there's a slight delay when we talk like this, so just a couple of sec, a second or two. So sometimes it could trip us up if we don't know that it's there. Um, and I want the listeners to know that too, so they can understand if there's a little bit of a, a pause <laughs> between our in our conversation. If I hear you okay, do you hear me all right? I hear you just fine. Great. So thank you so much for joining us this evening. I've been really enjoying your book, Bringing Meditation to Life. Um, maybe we could start with just a little bit about your background. Can you can you tell us a little bit about yourself? I, I'd be glad to. Um, I was uh, born in northwest Pennsylvania a small rural farming community named Waterford. Um, My father was a school teacher and a World War II veteran. Uh, My mother um, did not graduate from high school, uh, took in laundry and worked as a uh, waitress and a hostess. Um, My family, um, my mother and father split when I was somewhere around 11. I uh, essentially grew up with my father. I stayed in Waterford. Um, I enlisted in the United States Army at the age of 17 at my father's encouragement, although it it didn't take much. Um, I would would say that my my introduction to the the discipline of military life in the beginning was bumpy um, Mm. because growing up with a father who was active in the politics of education, I spent a great deal of time on my own from the year, age of 12 until 17. So I set my own rules. That does not work in the military. <laughs> I'm sure. 
Yes, and uh, so to um, I I found myself in up against the rules and in a bit of trouble in the beginning of my military service. Um, to satisfy uh, or to satisfy this the, the the dilemma that I found myself in, I thought the solution was that I would volunteer to go to Vietnam. Now, I enlisted in the military in 1967, or 1965. Um, I um, ended up going to Vietnam in 1966, and I spent 1966 and 1967 in Vietnam. Um, I served as a helicopter crew chief and door gunner, and uh, was injured quite seriously. Mm. I... when I um, was discharged from military hospital, I returned not really back home, but back to Western Pennsylvania. And I um, enrolled in college. My father helped me um, because my grades weren't all that good in high school. Um, I, um, I, attended, I, I attended and received my bachelor's of education, bachelor of science in education, from Slippery Rock University. Um, this, this took me some time because the impacts of my military training and combat service um, were having a uh, had a tremendous uh, effect on my life. Uh, mm-hmm. When I, I I came back from. Uh, well, I came out of the military, and I wanted everything to just be back the way it was before I left. And um, Gatsby found out that that's not possible. Right. I, I found out. <laughs> yeah. Yes, I know now mm-hmm. after the fact that it's not possible. Um, I had no tools or no support to really learn how to live in relation, at peace with my unpeacefulness, in relation to the world as I now experienced it post-combat. Um, mm-hmm. The only way I knew how to um, deal with this great sense of dis-ease that I felt was uh, using intoxicants. I, I, as the way my, my father modeled that for me. And by the way, my father died at the age of 53, um, mm. the, the, the death certificate read that he died of a massive heart attack in his sleep. But I know his lifestyle killed him. My father drank alcoholically. Uh, he smoked 60 cigarettes a day. Um, and uh, mm-hmm. he never once spoke about his military service other than to glorify it. And, mm-hmm. and so mm-hmm. I, I, was lost in a, I was lost in a world of suffering. Um, chemical dependency, drug addiction, alcohol, one of the drugs I was addicted to, and, um, and, the, and the, the consequences of, of unaddressed uh, combat service. Um, they mm-hmm. refer to that often. It's often referred to as post-traumatic stress disorder. However, um, I've, I stress, and I, I, now I'm, I do a lot of, um, with other veterans, and in supporting them to to find 
supporting them by passing on tools to them that will help them to learn how to live at peace with their unpeacefulness. And um, I, um, I, I only wish I would have had that guidance when I first came out of the military, although I don't know that I would have been open to it. Um, uh-huh. mm-hmm. I spent a great deal of time sort of lost, just lost in my own suffering. Um, I think it was in 1980 that I, uh, let's see, I spent a great deal of time overseas. Um, I was attempting to, uh, I thought the next place I go, things would be better. Um, I, I thought if I changed places, if I changed people that I spent time with, uh, that things would be improved, things would improve and, and I would be okay. And it just, it never worked. Um, I did spend uh, four and a half years. I lived in Iran for four and a half years. And, and, and during that, that was 74 to 78. And during that time, I also spent a significant portion of that in Afghanistan, um, it was a different time back then. Um, mm-hmm. the, the road was open from Amsterdam to Delhi, and you could get in a car and drive. Um, it's, it's not, but it, it's, it was still the same place then that it is now. That just the, the way it functioned for us was a bit different. Well, quite a bit mm-hmm. different. Um, I returned to the U.S. in 78, and I went I, I didn't know what else to do with my life, so I went to college. I, I entered I entered a, a graduate program in, in fine arts and writing, and because I discovered I had some um, benefits, extra benefits left on my GI Bill, and but I, I didn't finish that program. I I left and went to actually I was headed for New York because I was going to go to New York and be a rock star, but I ended uh-huh. up in in <laughs> yeah. I ended up in Boston, Massachusetts, um, and um, but it was there in New England where I, I really think that New England is really the place that I feel uh, home. Um, I lived in a small cottage in Concord, Massachusetts, and mm-hmm. it was there um, where I encountered a, a different uh, a different aspect of of culture and society that I had been exposed to growing up in, in rural Western Pennsylvania. There I, 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 there I was, um, I got the information that um, my primary problem was that first fix, the first pill or the first drink. And that if I would stop taking intoxicants, the rest of the rest of my problems would would sort of sort themselves out with, with hard work on my part, but they would sort themselves out. Um, I didn't know what else to do, so I went into a, an alcohol and drug treatment program in 1983, and I haven't used any intoxicants since. Mm. Mm. Mm-hmm. I, would, I would say I, it wasn't just an easy thing because on the 13th of April, 83, um, I had what I hope is my last drug overdose. I ended uh-huh. up in intensive care. So I have a, a great deal of empathy with the rising numbers of suicides um, among mm-hmm. in the veteran community. And, and interestingly enough, because of COVID and because of the, my 
because of the, the constriction of travel, um, I've really had to stay pretty much residential. And, and the Zolto Foundation, as you um, mentioned in, in your introduction, is located in the panhandle of Florida, in Mary Esther, Florida. So right now it's just on the on the eastern edges of um, Hurricane Ida. Um, mm, nothing, okay. yeah, nothing compared to what that's um, happening in Louisiana and and the parts just west and just east of that. Um, are you there? The, are yes, you there right now? I actually no, I'm not. Um, okay. I'm in another part of the I'm in another part of the world. However, oh, okay. Uh, my uh, my attendant um, uh, and Vika Kenshin Anderson. Um, is there, um, and I think she's listening to this as we speak. Um, since COVID, I hope she's staying safe. Yes, I hope she's We safe. just uh, yeah. thank you. We just finished up um, a three-day retreat online, a meditation retreat online, and uh, as far as I can tell, um, in that area, everything is quite okay. 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 Good. So, so what led you to become a Buddhist monk? <laughs> no, really, I chuckle. It's a great question, and I'm often asked that. And people will say, "What is the exact point where you were sort of woke up?" And and my response is, there wasn't an exact point. It has been a process. I think looking through your website, um, you described uh, you described it. Life is a process, sometimes bumpy, and mm, and so mm-hmm. this this coming to to um, Buddhist to becoming a monk was part of a process. I think it started when I stopped taking drugs and alcohol, and and really invested in into working with the thoughts and the feelings and my relation with the world that was showing itself to me without um, the anesthetics, uh, learning how to live with that. Now, I was supported in that process by a um, uh, an MD psychiatrist who was based in Acton, Massachusetts, and um, by a, a licensed social worker who's based in Cambridge, Massachusetts. And it was in, uh, through this social worker that the suggestion was made that I attend a um, Buddhist retreat that was being facilitated by, um, uh, a retreat that was being facilitated by a Buddhist monk for um, veterans, at that time Vietnam veterans. And, uh, mm-hmm. and what she mentioned to me was that this a particular monk had done some work with veterans and then just had some success in supporting them. I I did I had no intention to go. I um I thought that this social worker was probably a little off in her suggestion uh-huh. because <laughs> because it was the place where I really it was really one of the only places I felt safe. Um, I I um, told her I would go and 
and I went. I, I, I made it difficult for them to, I made it difficult for the organizers to, to, to agree, to accept me um, by just simply telling them the truth of what I was living with. And, but uh, the people who worked with this monk, the organizers, who actually didn't want to invite me, that they didn't turn anyone away. They would take anyone. And so it was in that retreat that um, I experienced um, me- um, I experienced meditation in a way I had never uh, I experienced meditation. I didn't think about it. It wasn't it didn't match any of my ideas of it. And it was in that retreat that I began to speak for the first time, really, about um, my experiences in in war. And mm-hmm. in that in that retreat, uh, I was invited, and by the assistant of the monk, to come to their monastery. Um, their monastery, however, was in France. Um, and but the the way that the invitation came is this nun said to me, "Come to our monastery and let us help you. Um, we can help you." And you know, when I heard that, I burst into tears. Mm-hmm. It's, some, it's something that I had been wanting to hear, I think, un- unconsciously, ever since I came home. And uh, right, I I was uh, I was really I was moved beyond explanation um, by that mm-hmm. by that statement, and. However, I quickly said, well, I would like to come, but I don't have any money. I was unemployable. Um, and, and what this nun said to me is, make the commitment and see what happens. So I said, okay, mm-hmm. I'll come. And uh, people within the retreat somehow heard about the invitation, and I began to get donations. Mm-hmm. Um, I had enough to buy a round-trip ticket to where the monastery was at. But then I, I had a decision to make. And do I really go to this monastery or do I like take off to South America or go down to the Caribbean <laughs> or something? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but the truth is I, I, I bought the ticket. I went with the uh-huh. intention to stay. I went with the intention to stay for, two, for one month, 30 days. And I ended up staying for three years. Um, my life um, unfolded in ways I could never have imagined and continues to do that. Um, now I have discovered through this process how what I perceived to be my greatest liability could become my greatest assets. Um, mm-hmm. I've learned, mm-hmm. um, I've learned to, to not spare um, the listeners um, to really um, as best as possible and discover how to articulate the way war, the way my combat experience, my military training and combat experience um, has shaped the way um, I engage with the world, how I see the world. And, and really that, that never, never goes away. Um, mm-hmm. You were so kind you were so kind to mention um, the newest book, 
bringing meditation to life. Um, uh-huh. Previous to this, previous to this book, uh, I've had the privilege to have um, another book published. Um, may I mention that? Absolutely, absolutely. Yes. Um, the title of that book is At Hell's Gate, A Soldier's Journey from War to Peace. It's published by Shambhala Publications. Bringing Meditation to Life is, public, is published by Oakwood Publications. Mm-hmm. Um, At Hell's Gate, um, of my um, waking up to... Um, how I was conditioned to view the world, how I was conditioned and and funneled into the idea of military, uh, into the idea of, into a particular idea of military service, and um, and how I was then uh, modeled how to address the effects of how I was affected by my military service and then the process of, of, of waking up to possibilities. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Since COVID, um, I have, with travel restricted, I've, I've had the opportunity to be, to be of service to a group of people who um, are hard pressed find sources of support that really can identify with their experience. These are people in, in active duty military service and people uh-huh. um, who, are, who are recently discharged. Um, what I do attempt to communicate to people, though, is that I can present them with the map. They have to navigate the route. I give them the tools of navigation and these are, uh, and yet the, the, they're the ones who have to navigate the route. I, I don't, I don't sell them elixirs or fixes, and I let them know that the journey is full of bumps. It's hard, hard work. Um, mm-hmm. This process of, of waking up, and however, the fruits of the process, the rewards, uh, at least in my experience, are unparalleled. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's what gave rise to um, so, so beginning to talk. Um, I was invited to speak publicly the very first time in this monastery, and and from that, invitations started to grow. Um, I became more socially active, um, mm-hmm. and and I I get invited to to talk publicly and I, I get invited to facilitate meditation retreats. That's changed a lot since COVID. Um, public speaking now is like this, like you and right. I are doing or <laughs> right. via Zoom. Um, one day that, that that will change again. And I, I have no idea when, but right now I work with yeah. this medium. And, so, and yeah, please. So I was going to ask you, um, I want to, you know, it, you know, it sounds, it sounds like all of that brought you to this, to writing this book, Bringing Meditation to Life, which is, um, 
is really meant for anybody, right? Not just veterans. This is correct. For everybody. Um, and there were, there, it's full of so much. And, um, you know, and, and you do talk about your experiences in there as, as a Vietnam veteran. Um, but I, I just wanted to touch on that. I wanted to make sure that we got to talk about that a little bit and just get your um, take on, you know, you talk about bringing peace to unpeacefulness. And that's, you know, you um, did that in your own life. And uh, there's so much unpeacefulness right now in the world. You know, we, we, don't, we don't need to be in a war zone really to experience that because it's pretty, uh, there's a lot of fighting going on right here. Um, how do we, how do we manage that? How do we use the, the skills that you've learned in, in meditation to, to be able to bring peace to the world and to ourselves in the midst of all of this, um, fighting? Thank you for that question. Um, my response is, as I wake up to the roots of war in myself, I transform the roots of war, violence, and suffering in myself. The world begins to change. Um, the, the book, uh, Bringing Meditation to Life, came into existence as um, to the various talks and things that I've done publicly. People would write things down, quotes and, and things that would pop out to them. And there was an effort to collect these, and and they were then um, a, 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 they were put together, and um, and we went through an editing process, and and out of that grew this book. If you don't mind, I would like mm-hmm. to share uh, just a couple of short excerpts. Sure. Mm-hmm. And it also will address your question. Okay. Great. Um, Life is fluid. Suffering comes when we attempt to attach fixed ideas to the fluid, unfixed process that is life. Everything, absolutely everything that comes into existence will pass away. Keep this in mind and do not waste one precious moment because with each breath, we sit at the edge of existence. We must live Mm. full and committed lives while at the same time not holding too tightly. The practice of meditation can support us in this process, dedicated spiritual practice. Support us in facing the feelings that rise up in response to life's uncertainty. Over time, we develop acceptance of the fundamental uncertainty of our lives and the reality of not knowing. Hmm. Meditation yeah, that's is a, not just... That's, that's a big one, the not knowing, right? <laughs> yes. And, and I would also like to say that meditation is not just sitting in repose. Mm-hmm. Daily life and meditation are not two things. Meditation is the intention that we bring to everything that we do all of the time. So sitting 
this sitting in repose is only a form of an active meditation practice. And, and that's, to me, and that's what I pass on to others. And you don't need a special place, um, although a special place is nice to, to ground or to become familiar, but you don't need a special place. You don't need a, a, a certain location. Um, you don't need a certain time. Although I do encourage people, first thing in the morning, when you wake up, very first thing, make your bed like you never slept in it, and then sit for five minutes. Connect with your breath, because it is the breath that is the foundation of life. Hmm. I like that. I'm going to try that. Oh, but, please. Um, yeah. I've been looking for a practice that I can stick to in the morning. I like that one. Um, and then I will say the last thing before you go to bed. Repeat it. Okay. Five then, minutes before you go to bed. Yes. And then after that five minutes in the morning, carry that intention into everything we do throughout the day. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So how do people do that? How do how do you keep that intention with you throughout the day? Do you have uh, you have tips for that? You have to want to. Okay. <laughs> there, there, there's no, there's no magic here. Um, mm-hmm. The person really has, the person really has to want to. There are no tricks. There are no, there's no magic. They don't want to. It, it's not going to happen. Okay. So, would would that mean reminding themselves though the to be in the moment and take a breath and look around, that sort of thing? Mm-hmm. Well, one of the things that I, I um, relay to people is, um, w- look, we have to breathe anyway, right? Mm-hmm. So why not breathe consciously? Right. So bring that intention into, into breathing. Now, with the practice of sitting meditation and sitting meditation is not to bring us uh, in contact so much with our breath but rather uh, bring us into contact with what distracts us from our breath nothing Mm -hmm. else exists except the present moment that's all that really nothing else exists everything else is a creation of the mind past, future. It's not right. It's it's not possible to experience that present moment if I'm not consciously aware of my breath. Every breath, every in breath, every out breath. Mm-hmm. Uh, do mm-hmm. I do, do do I do I do that? <laughs> I I strive to do that. Right. <laughs> and, that's why they call it a practice, right? That. That's absolutely correct, yes. <laughs> uh-huh. uh-huh. Um, I think we can all kind of relate to, you know, having those days where we feel mindless, right, and um, end up having accidents because of it. We're feeling kind of um, anxious or, or, or even depressed or detached from our world when we're mindless. So, um you know this this practice can help 
can, it seems like that could help us get into those kind of situations so much. It, I, can, I can say without any hesitation that uh, for me, this way of living is the best in the world. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, other people will find their own way if they're willing to engage in the tools that are passed on to them. One doesn't have to become Buddhist or believe anything to do this. It doesn't actually, it doesn't matter what one thinks, believes, or says. It's just about sitting down, concentrating on the breath, discovering, learning how to let those distractions go, and then bring that attention into everything we do. It, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. When, when we become distracted, the distraction is a reminder to simply come back to the breath. There is no success mm-hmm. and no failure in this. It's a process. Right. Right. So, yeah, I mean, I talk a lot about how um, life, um, you know, even living, living our passion, if we find, if we're lucky enough to find our passion, is also a process, right? It's not, it's not the goal that we're heading to that we, we can't wait till we get there to enjoy it. It is actually enjoying the, the path, enjoying this process. Um, I could not agree with you more. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So if, if listeners are interested in finding out more about your book, the, your book, um, Hell's Gate and um, bringing meditation to life, um, finding out about your meditation groups, and the Zal- how do you pronounce it? It's Zalto, Zalto it's Foundation. Zalto, Zalto. It's an actually it's an acronym Zalto. for my son's. It's an acronym for my son's name. He oh, suffered okay. a great deal. He suffered a great okay. deal because of of how I was affected by war. So mm-hmm. Zalto. Zalto. Um, so it, if listeners are interested in finding out more about that, about your organization, the meditations, your book, what would be the best way for them to do that? Um, they can, um, if they have access to a computer, to the Internet, um, they can go on to the Foundation's website. Um, that mm-hmm. website is www.zalto, that's Z-A-L-T-H-O, dot org. Um, And all of that information is easily found there. Um, Okay. Also, um, and I I believe that that information is also, um, I was going to say it's available in the back of the book, but if you don't have the book, you won't. (laughs) Right. But the book is available uh, on Amazon. <laughs> yeah, it's available on Amazon. It's available through um, a, a number of different. It's, a, it's available through a number of different sites. Okay, great. So, favorite anyone's favorite book site. Um, okay, and you, are you doing uh, meditations virtually that people can join in with? Yes, sign up I, for. I am. 
Yep, every Thursday mm-hmm. and every Saturday. And uh, um, we have a formal sitting uh, followed by recitations every Thursday evening at 6 p.m. Central Time and every Saturday morning at 8 a.m. Central Time. Uh, Florida has two time zones. Oh, and, right, um, like Texas. <laughs> yeah. The information, mm-hmm. um, the, the, the dial-up information is, again, located on the website. Okay, great. Well, you know, I'm going to be posting that on my um, post about this show on my website later tonight so that if um, listeners weren't ready to write anything down, they can just go there later tonight and they'll find it along with the podcast so they can re-listen to to this interview. Um, Thank you so much for, for coming on to the show to talk about your life and and how meditation has really um, changed it and brought you peace and talk about your book. I'd love to have you back on sometime in the future. Dr. Carpell, it has been a pleasure to be on your show, and I would be more than glad to come back. Um, Great. uh, um, I will um, really thank you. Thank you so much for the opportunity. Okay, and we'll we'll be in touch. Okay, and uh, you have a very good you have a very good evening. Thank you so much, and um, with the shows you have, I wish you much success with your show. Thank you, thank you. Uh, bye bye right. now. <laughs> okay. Yes, bye bye. Bye. All right, we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be back after the break. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Are you or a loved one a Medicare beneficiary? Help save you and Medicare money by stopping Medicare fraud. Fraud happens when Medicare is billed for services or supplies you never receive. There are three easy things you can do to fight fraud. Review your Medicare claims for accuracy, protect your personal information, and be on the lookout for suspicious activity. For more information or to report fraud, call Medicare at 1-800-MEDICARE or your local SHIP counselor at the Area Agency on Aging at one 800 Dr. Mara's book, The Passionate Life, Creating Vitality and Joy at Any Age, is now available on Kindle and in paperback at Amazon. Don't forget to listen to Dr. Mara Carpell and your golden years live from Austin, Texas, every Sunday on blogtalkradio.com. All right, and we are back. If you're just joining us, this is Dr. Mara Cartel and your golden years right here on blogtalkradio.com and on drmaracarpel.com. And I'm just going to talk briefly before we end the show, talk about, uh, you know, I've been talking over the past few weeks about um, getting back on the path to living a passionate life after all the struggles and while they're still going on, the struggles of this pandemic um, and I picked a couple of things to talk about that are related that kind of go very smoothly with the discussion that we just had with um, Claude on, on meditation and, and the lessons he's learned. But I want to mention first that yesterday I spoke at the online wellness show about 10 steps to release anxiety and thrive as we re-engage in the world, and it was taped. 
So um, when I get the link to that video, I will be posting it on my website on the speakers page so you can watch the whole talk. And um, I also uploaded a brand new um, free downloadable meditation, a guided meditation to connect to your passion. It's on my website. And if you go to my website, there's a free gift. So you can go to drmaricarpel.com slash free hyphen gift slash um, and download the uh, free chapter to my book, then you will automatically get an email that has a link to this meditation in it. So um, today I'm going to talk just briefly about a couple of tips um, to getting back to living a passionate life that are somewhat related to the discussion that we just had. And um, one tip, and I've talked about this before, and it's um, having self-compassion. And Dr. Kristen Neff was on the program talking about self-compassion. And um, it's a really important um, way to start to get yourself back on track and and, to, and it's important to continue to have self-compassion, of course. But it's important to acknowledge what we have been through over the past 18 months and don't run away from the pain, um, but be with it, acknowledge it, um, pat yourself on the back for having gotten this far and surviving it. Um, as Dr. Kristen Neff wrote, the more we resist the impact of what's happening right now, the more we suffer. So that's part of the mindfulness that um, that Claude Thomas was just talking about, and that is that we need to acknowledge the pain. Like he talks about acknowledging um, how his life is different having been in combat in Vietnam. And um, we need to acknowledge pain throughout life rather than running from it. And then, um, you know, don't give yourself a hard time for mistakes that you've made, for getting off track, for losing your passion, um, for not creating a masterpiece during this time um, that you've been home. Um, but rather, you know, acknowledge that it's been a rough time and it's okay to say, hey, I know it's rough and, and to talk to yourself like you are your own best friend. It's, it's, it's okay. Uh, you know, um, we're all going through this. You're not expected to create something amazing during a really difficult time. And Dr. Neff has, is a researcher in self-compassion, and she's spoken about how people who are compassionate towards themselves um, are um, more likely to recover from mistakes that they make and failing to achieve a goal. We tend to think that we have to be hard on ourselves in order to keep going for the goal, but actually being compassionate and understanding toward ourselves helps us to better recover and get back on track. We're able to self-correct the mistakes much better and then to go on to be more successful at achieving goals. Um, and being on the path. So 
one of the ways of doing that, and Dr. Neff talked about that on the program, and I've been doing this, is to ask yourself when you're feeling stressed out or out of sorts to take a breath and ask yourself, what do I need right now? Um, Also doing what Claude was just talking about, just being aware of what you're feeling, being aware of your environment, being aware of this moment helps to calm you down, get yourself back into your body. But the self-compassion part comes with telling yourself it's okay. It's human. Um, It's also okay to take breaks during the day and not push yourself um, and work yourself to the bone. Um, And to learn lessons from mistakes that you've made. So, you know, Pima Chodron, who's also a Buddhist Buddhist monk, um, a Buddhist nun, she wrote, nothing ever goes away until it has taught us what we need to know. So we need to understand that we're learning lessons and be compassionate with ourselves, but also look for the lesson. The other really important point, and we just talked about this a bit um, when Claude and I were talking, and that is to enjoy the journey because we don't really know uh, what the outcome will be, really unknown. So it doesn't mean, and when I talked about this yesterday during the talk, I was asked the question, does that mean that we don't have goals, that we, you know, we don't set goals for ourselves and celebrate achievements? And that's not what I mean. Um, I think having goals is great. That's what, that's what gives us the passion. That's what gives us the excitement of going for our goal. Um, and it's great to um, celebrate achievements. However, that isn't the ultimate goal. The ultimate goal is the journey because we don't really know if we're going to achieve the goals that we set out for, number one. Number two, when we, when we get to that goal post, it might look very different than how we originally pictured it. It doesn't mean that it's not as good. It's just different. And so we need to be open to that rather than having one set idea of what it, uh, how it should turn out. And the third thing is um, if we do achieve the goal and we celebrate, there's always going to be another goal after that because that's human nature. There's just so much. We're not going to get there and say, oh, you know, this is it, happily, happily ever after. No, there's always going to be more. That's how, that's how we are as humans. That's what keeps us on the path of passion. But we're not going to passionate if we're waiting to achieve the goal before we allow ourselves to enjoy it. The goal is actually the path. And I've talked about this before, that during the hardest times that I've gone through in the past few years, Having these, this path to be on has been my North Star. It has gotten me through some of the roughest times when I'm writing my book, doing this show. The path itself is the, the joy. And so 
being mindful of this path, being aware of this moment, as Claude was just talking about, is how we get to enjoy this moment. If we're always looking forward and we're not looking at this moment, which, as he said, this moment is all we have, then we never really get to that point of allowing ourselves to feel joy. The joy is in the journey. And Ram Dass, the famous... um, You might have heard of him, a famous author, a meditation teacher. He wrote Be Here Now. Um, He wrote, our journey is about being more involved in life and less attached to it. So things don't have to be exactly how we want them to be because we're going to be disappointed. We're going to suffer if if that's how we, um, if that's what we wait for. Um, As I said, the North Star is the passion on the path we choose. And bringing it back to the self-compassion, Dr. Kristen Ness wrote, self-compassion helps us to focus on why, why we're trying to achieve. When we do it because we want something to develop as people, it doesn't really matter if we succeed or not or what others think of us. So... Why are we doing what we're doing? Usually we're doing it because we love it, and that is the joy. Stay in the moment, enjoy the path, and don't wait to achieve your goals in order to feel um, joyful about it. Um, all right, so those are, those are some tips for staying on the path or getting back, reconnecting to your path of passion. And on that note, we're going to end for this evening. And I'm going to, before we go, I'm going to let you know what's coming up. Next Sunday, September 5th, we're playing an encore of one of our recent favorite shows um, as we celebrate Labor Day weekend. So I hope that you all have a wonderful holiday. And then we'll be back live from right here in Austin, Texas on Sunday, September 12th. And we'll be joined by another Buddhist teacher and author Alex Kakuyo, and he's a former Marine, and he'll be here to discuss his new book, Perfectly Ordinary, Buddhist Teachings for Everyday Life, as well as some topics that I heard him speak about that I'd like to discuss further with him on his online meditation talks, um, in particular, self versus non-self, and avoiding that spiritual bypass trap that I see a lot of people getting into um, where they feel like they are removed from dealing with the realities of life. And if you want to hear tonight's program again and read the information from the show, get the link that we talked about um, during our discussion this evening. Um, Listen to previous programs, read the blogs, etc. Go to my website. This show will be posted later tonight along with the links on my website on the radio show page and if you want to hear the show in five minutes from now go directly to blog talk radio b-l-o-g talkradio.com slash your golden years or find me on apple podcasts and for upcoming shows follow me on dr mara carpell your golden years This show was produced by Accomplice Entertainment, Postal Productions, and Psyched Up Productions, and sponsored by AmightyGoodTime.com. Special thanks to my guest, 
Claude and Shin Thomas. And of course, thank you to Art. Thank you all for listening. Have a peaceful night, an inspiring couple of weeks. And remember, youth has no age. Good night, everyone. Stay safe. guidance offered by Dr. Carpell is not intended to replace the advice of your own physician or mental health specialist. Neither Dr. Carpell, her sponsors, nor this station assumes responsibility for the misuse of any of the information given on this show. 